Welcome to Grain IQ. I'm Chad Moyer. Grain marketing is a critical piece in keeping your operation profitable. On today's episode of Grain IQ, we'll explore mini and micro futures contracts, including what they are and how you can use them in your grain marketing plan. Fabio Matos joins us for today's episode. He is an associate professor in the Department of Ag Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Uh, Fabio, thanks for joining us here today uh, once again. Uh, we talked to you in a prior podcast about the different contract months for corn and soybeans, uh, defined what is new crop, and then the other contracts that are available, and how do we use those contracts in our in our grain marketing plan. Uh, on today's podcast, we're going to dive into something, I, I believe, I, I don't think I'm saying this wrong, they're, they're relatively new options uh, when it comes to futures contracts, micro contracts, and and mini contracts. Um, before we talk about those specifically, maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, the evolution of how uh, uh, grain contracts have come over time. Have we always had five corn contracts and seven soybean contracts to trade at any given point in, in a marketing year, Fabio? Hey, hello, Chad. So thanks for having me again, and glad to be here. And so uh, those contracts in Chicago specifically, so if you focus on the Chicago Board of Trade, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, so they started in the 1800s, uh, mid-1800s for the Chicago Board of Trade, and a little later for the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And in the beginning, uh, they didn't really have futures markets, we know them today. So the Chicago Board of Trade started in 1848, and in the beginning, it was just a cash market inside a big room in the, in the building of the exchange. So the people didn't really trade futures contracts as we know them today in the beginning. So futures contracts came later. And as they start, as they developed those futures contracts, and they started deciding on those different delivery months. So the, in the beginning, it was different than it is today. So the five delivery months that we have today for corn, or the seven delivery months, seven, eight delivery months we have for soybeans today, just came over time, okay? and I don't remember exactly when those uh, those specific delivery months we have today were determined, but we have had those delivery months for quite a while now. All right, so now let's talk about this advent of uh, mini and micro contracts. Um, uh, I guess, can you, are those two different things? Can you define what, what is a mini, what is a micro, or are we talking about the same thing? It's essentially the same thing. The only difference between a standard size contract or a mini or a micro contract is how much you are trading with each contract. <clears throat> so for, for corn, for example, the standard size contract is for 5,000 bushels. The mini contract for corn is for 1,000 bushels. But other than that, everything else in those contracts is exactly the same. We have the same delivery months. Uh, all the, the two contracts are physically deliverable. And everything else is still, is still the same, regardless it's a standard size or the mini contract. The only difference between them is really the size, is really how much or the amount, the quantity that you are trading for with each contract. Okay, so you, you mentioned on corn, uh, 5,000 bushels, the mini is 1,000 bushels. Is that the same for soybeans then for, uh, for a mini contract? Yes, for soybeans, the same, 5,000 for, for the standard size and 1,000 for the mini. All right. So uh, can you talk about when did the mini contract come into existence and, and maybe why did it come into existence? Sure. The, so the, the mini contracts started with uh, equity indexes. So we futures contracts for equity, equity indexes 
quite a while ago. It's maybe 20 years ago or so. I'm not, I don't remember exactly the date. But those mini cargos have been around for those equity indexes for quite a long time now. And the reason why they started was because the futures exchanges wanted more people trading. So, so remember, futures exchanges are a businesses and a business, and they provide a service. Okay? And they make money as more people trade in their marketplace. Okay? So again, it's in the best interest. It's always in the best interest for the futures exchange to have more and more people trading there. Okay, so what happened then? You no, know, back in the day when they first came up with the idea to create a mini contract for equity indexes, and that was specifically the S and P 500 index. So what was happening back then is the S and P 500 futures contract is priced based on the S and P 500 index, and more specifically. Back then, we had the standard size S&P 500 contract, and the price was based on the index, the, the, the number of points in the stock index, times $250. So that means as the value of the index, so as, as the value of the stock index keeps going up and up and up, the value of the contract is going to increase more and more and more, because we all, always multiply to that index by $250. Okay. So it got to a point that you know, as the stock market was going up and up and up and the value of the S&P 500 was also increasing, it came to a point that that futures contract became very expensive. So that futures contract was extremely pricey and therefore only a relatively small amount of traders could actually afford trading that. So only big investment banks and big hedge funds were able to trade that. So retail investors, for example, like you and I so wouldn't be able to afford trade in the S&P 500 index. And then the futures exchange became worried because they don't want less people trading. Quite the opposite, they want more people trading. So they decided to create a different type of contract that would be almost exactly the same as the S&P 500, but at a smaller size. So instead of $250 times the value of the index, they created a mini contract that was $50 times the value of the index. Okay, so the amount that was trading in that mini contract then became quite smaller than the standard size contract. And that brought more traders back to that market. So people that couldn't afford the standard size contract, but they could afford the, the mini size contract, came back to the markets trading, started trading more and more and more. Oh. And, and over time, oh, and actually just to give us a couple of numbers, uh, you know, so people have a better idea of what we're talking about here. So if we look at the S&P 500 index uh, today, I was just checking the market this morning. So the value of that index, the S&P 500, was at 5,000, uh, excuse me, 4,530 uh, points. So if you multiply that by $250, which is the standard size contract, that will be over $1 million. So not a lot of people can, can afford trading only one futures contract that's worth more than a $1 million. Now, if you go um, based on the same index, if you look at the mini contract, which is just $50 times the value of the index, so that will be only about 200, just over $200,000. So still, it's not exactly you know, pocket change, but a lot more people can afford trading a contract that's worth $200,000 compared to over a million dollars. So you said uh, basically they took that, that principle and then applied it to commodity markets. Is, is that what they did? Yeah, so over time, so when the, 
So once they create, after they created mini contract for the S&P 500, and they realized that they, it became very, very popular. And then after, after some years, the mini contract started being, started having a lot more trading than the standard size contract. Then the futures exchanges realized that, well, maybe, no, maybe we have something here. So maybe we could use those mini contracts for other uh, commodities, for other, uh, other types of assets as well. And then they created mini contracts for currencies, for commodities, and so on. Okay, so they, they create a lot of uh, mini contracts for different types of assets offered by the futures exchange. And the idea was always so, to create more opportunities for, for people to trade and try to get more and more traders to the market. All right. So do mini contracts of corn and soybeans, do they behave the same as their larger standard sized counterparts? In, in terms of price, yes. So the yeah, since it's the same commodity that's being traded. So if you have a standard size corn contract or a mini size corn contract, what we are trading with those contracts is still the same corn. It's still so both the two contracts are based on corn number two yellow. So it's exactly the same commodity. So we would expect that the prices should be exactly the same. Okay. And, and in fact, it is. So if you look at uh, at any point in time, if you look at the price traded for the standard size contract and the price traded for the mini size contract, those prices are exactly the same or very close to each other. So there can be a little bit of difference depending on the time of, uh, at what time you're looking at because there's a lot more trading going on in the standard size contract compared to the mini size contract. So sometimes depending on how much trading activity you have in one contract compared to the other, we may see a little difference between the prices. But in terms of price behavior over time, then it's exactly the same behavior. So if you look at a chart with uh, futures, uh, corn futures price for trading in the standard size contract and corn futures price traded in the mini size contract, you're going to see that the, the price charges looks exactly the same. And, and then so you would have a mini contract available for the, the, the same five months in corn and the same seven months in, in soybeans. If there's a, a standard size contract, then there would be a mini version that would be available then, right? Yes, exactly. The mini contracts resemble exactly the standard size contracts. So again, the only difference is really the quantity that you are trading. Okay. So I, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, uh, can you use mini contracts as a, a way to hedge grain or speculate if you're on the other side? Yes, absolutely. You can use the mini contracts exactly the same way that you use standard size contracts. So you can hedge, you can speculate, you can do Everything, everything that you do with one contract, you can do with the other as well. The other right. thing is, if you're speculating with mini contracts, you're speculating on 1,000 bushels of corn instead of 5,000 5, bushels of corn. Okay. So let's try and give a practical example, if we can, uh, Fabio. If, if we're a farmer, again, uh, you know, boots on the ground, we have grain in our bin, or we expect to harvest grain in the fall, right? How could we use a mini contract as part of our risk management plan? Okay, so we can use a, we can uh, sell the, that grain ahead of time using the mini contract as well. So if you want to sell, say it's st stick with to the to the size of the contract. If you want to sell, say only one thousand bushels of corn to deliver in December, you can just go ahead and trade it and in the mini futures contract. So you can just go ahead and sell those. 1,000 bushels of corn using one mini futures contract for corn. Okay. Uh, if you want to sell to deliver next March or May, 
using the mini futures contracts. Same idea, you can, if you want to sell only 1,000 bushels to deliver in March or May, you can trade one mini contract. If you want to sell 3,000 bushels of corn to deliver in March or May, then you can trade three mini futures contracts. Okay. So one point about the mini contracts, and that was also one, uh, one, of the, one idea behind the, the exchange developing those mini contracts, is also to provide a little bit more uh, flexibility in terms of how much people can speculate on or hedge in the market. So if you, if you just have a standard size contract and you want to hedge, uh, say, 3,000 bushels, and, and I know it's 3,000 bushels almost nothing, but just as an example, if you want to uh, hedge 3,000 bushels of corn, now the standard size is for 5,000 bushels, so you'll be over hedging if you use the standard size contract. But with the mini size contract, that gives you more flexibility and you can actually hedge exactly 3,000 bushels of corn. Or you know, extrapolate on that, if you, if you have you know, 53,000 bushels of corn to hedge, so you can use some combination of the standard size contracts and the mini contracts to get, if you want to get exactly 50,000 uh, bushels of corn. All right. So I know that there are uh, pros and cons to using futures as part of your marketing plan. Just in general, if you're using the standard size, size contracts, there are uh, good things, there are bad things, or you know, there's things that you need to be aware of. Um, what about when using a, a mini contract? Do they have their own set of pros and cons in your mind, Fabio? I'd say they have, in general, they have the same set of pros and cons as the standard size contracts. But for, for corn and soybeans in particular, they have one extra item there going to the uh, column, which is the, the, the liquidity. So for, there's a lot more trading happening with the standard size contracts for corn and soybeans than we have with uh, the mini size contracts. So it's, um, for example, I was just looking at data, um, was that a couple of months ago? I was looking into this uh, the trading uh, volume data for the standard size contract and the mini size contract, and I saw for between January and May, so the first five months of this year, the 2023. So we had about four million uh, con uh, standard size contracts traded for corn, and so that gives us about you no know, on average. You know, if you think about daily average, so that gives us, us on average about for just over 40,000 contracts traded every day. Now, now uh, for the mini size contract, the, for those five months, so we had only about five, $6,500 contracts, mini contracts traded in five months. So that gives us on average about 70 contracts per day. So there's a huge difference in liquidity. So even if you think about those 70 contracts uh, on average, 70 contracts, mini contracts per day. So if you think about the, the, the trading day has you know, between the morning and the overnight session, we have about 17 hours that you can trade corn on any given day. So 70 contracts traded you know, over 17 hours, that gives us what about four, well, four contracts per hour or so. <laughs> well, one contract every 15 minutes, that's, that's not nearly enough liquidity for, for any speculator or head. Okay, so the, the big downside for the mini contracts is really the liquidity. No. Mm -hmm. So as, if you want to have or speculate use those mini contracts, you know, if you want to, if you go to the market right now, you may not find someone to trade with. Okay? And you may, you know, if, you, if you're going to wait five, 10 minutes to, to, to make a trade for a speculator, especially 
Well, no, no, but no speculator who wants to wait five, ten minutes to find someone to trade with. Yeah, I was going to say that's an eternity for a speculator, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, so I guess this is kind of a, a question of function. So then at the end of the day, do they settle out the mini contract and the standard size grain contract? Do they settle out then at the same price? Uh, not necessarily. So it's it could be the same price. So the, we have the, there are essentially two different marketplaces. So we have different people trading uh, or different trades going on in each one of those for the standard size and the mini contracts. Okay. And as we were discussing before, you know, the two since we are talking about the exact same commodity for the two contracts, the prices are not typically this, exactly the same or very close, depend on uh, the trading going on at any point in time. So when you get to the settlement at the end of the day, um, a lot of times you're going to see exactly the same price. Sometimes you're going to see maybe one tick above, one tick below. So there's going there could be a small difference, but. Uh, Going back to your question, no, it's not it doesn't have to be exactly the same price, but if it's, even if it's not the exact same price, it's still going to be very close. Yeah, because you're still using the same fundamentals. You're, you're still using the same supply and demand uh, for a mini contract as a standard size contract, right? Yes, absolutely. Yep, yep. all right. So I, I guess, uh, again, we're kind of getting to the end of, our, of this podcast here on Grain IQ. Uh, what do you want to make sure farmers remember about mini contracts? And again, related to their marketing plan, what are the main take-home points about the mini uh, contract that's available to them? Yeah, so we, we can use mini contracts to hedge the, exactly the same way that we, we use standard size contracts. Uh, potentially, one advantage of the mini contracts is to give us more flexibility in terms of the quantity that we, uh, we want to hedge. So if the standard size contracts, we can only hedge in increments of 5,000 bushels, which is the size of the contract. Now with the mini size contract, so as they are for 1,000 bushels, so that gives us a little bit more flexibility in terms of the quantity that we can trade. Now, but then the downside as we were just talking about is that, that the liquidity. Okay. So it's, um, unless there's a, I would say, unless there's a really strong preference for a very specific quantity, that is not in increments of 5,000 bushels. So I don't see a lot of the advantage of using mini contracts. Uh, and that's because of the liquidity. So if you want to place your hedge right now, you can easily do that using a standard size contract. There's a lot of liquidity in that market. Now, if you try to place your hedge right now and we're using the mini contracts, you may or may not find the uh, traders uh, to trade with in that in, for that particular contract. And just one last point. In terms of, uh, so, might be wondering, so why, why the heck we have the mini contract then if there's so little liquidity, and so like we, like we mentioned before, the the futures exchange wants to have more and more people trading, okay? and they are not uh, shy of uh, launching new contracts, launching new products, and try to see if those new products, new contracts can attract more traders. So the mini contracts worked very well for the S&P 500 that we talked about in the beginning. And actually nowadays, so the mini contract, the S&P, the mini S&P 500 contract became so popular that the exchange decided to get rid of the standard size contract. So now they only have the mini contract for the S&P 500, 500. And also they created the micro contract that you mentioned in the very beginning. So the micro contract is still an, is an even smaller contract for the S&P 500. Now, so the, the futures exchange then, no, pretty much all the time they are 
trying to come up with new products, new contracts. They put that in the market and see what happens. So the mini contracts became popular for the S&P 500. So they said, well, let's try for other assets as well. Let's try for corn, soybeans, and everything else. If it sticks, great. We can get more traders. If they don't, well, no big deal. So if they are not going well, we can eventually get rid of them at some point. All right. And then also, too, we want to make sure that these uh, mini contracts that we've talked about, they still connect to the cash market the same way. Right. You're you're still de- dealing with basis. You This is something that you can use with your local grain buyer uh, uh, or ethanol plant or anything like that. It still operates the same way that way. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly the same way. Yes. If you if you decide that you want to sell in the futures market using the mini contract and you want to deliver against the futures market, you can go ahead and deliver. 1,000 bushels for that mini contract, exactly the same way. All right, very good. Fabio, it's good to have you on the broadcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Again, we've been visiting with Fabio Matos. He is an associate professor uh, with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, joining us on today's Grain IQ podcast. Grain IQ is a production of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association with support from the Nebraska Soybean Board. It is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Grain IQ is hosted by Chad Moyer and produced by Rebel Siklocha. It is written and edited by Alex Makovica. Our project manager is Bryce Dutskid. You can listen to Grain IQ on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or online at ruralradionetwork.com.